RadioInfluence.com. The third edition of the college football playoff rankings are out, and no surprise, there's no change. Copy and paste, everyone. Scott Zeidenberg here alongside Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. It's Rush the Field, the college football podcast brought to you by Radio Influence. And Chris, I mention it, copy and paste, because that's exactly what the top 10 did from last week to this week. No change in the rankings. No, and I think we kind of expected that, didn't we? I mean, there was no reason for it. Alabama wins, uh, Clemson wins, Notre Dame wins, Michigan wins. Uh, they saw it one the same way uh, last week. I don't think that anything would necessitate the perhaps, uh, for the example, moving four to three and three to four. If that were to happen, that would likely come with some ensuing games and the results there. So no one was expected to jump into that four or fall out of that top four. And even beyond that, uh, it pretty much fell in line because we didn't have the chaos last week. And it makes you wonder if some chaos is lurking around the corner or we may have a little uh, passive. You know, people have said, Scott, it's been a boring season. Maybe Mm. it'll just be boring all the way to the the national playoffs with the favorites winning out. uh, we'll We'll get into it, but I just have a strong suspicion that three out of the four for sure are under the table, if not all four, but we'll see. Yeah, there's still a lot of things at play and some games that we'll talk about coming up. But as it stands right now, the playoff would be number one Alabama against number four Michigan. That game would take place in the Cotton Bowl in Arlington. And then number two Clemson against number three Dame. That game would take place at the Orange Bowl. So those are your two semifinal matchups. And then you have number five Georgia, number six Oklahoma. Uh, Rose Bowl, Chris, we would have what? Big Ten, Pac-12. So... Ohio State and Washington State, right? Correct. That's what it would be. And um, you'd have a real interesting uh, old Big East matchup, Syracuse, West Virginia in the Peach Bowl. And uh, currently you'd have Central Florida and LSU in the Fiesta Bowl. But, um, you know, now that is subject to to a lot of changes depending upon the rest of the the regular season. Um, And none of those teams are likely – well, Oklahoma could, Georgia will – uh, a couple of those teams could play in their conference championship games. Most obviously uh, likely will not. All right. Let me ask you, because a lot of people are talking about UCF and they are ranked 11th. So they moved up from 12 to 11, but they still can't crack the top 10. How much are they benefited now by the fact that the committee has elevated their opponent this week, Cincinnati, into the top 25? The Bearcats are now at number 24. Well, I think it benefits them. Obviously, listen, the reason, and I think they've said it, and they've said it well, um, their strength of schedule has been pretty weak. Uh, it's it's not been very good as you get a couple of teams, and, and they're going to have a conference championship game. That's one of them we'll play in the conference championship. Um, the strength of schedule will strengthen, you know, if you will, it, it, relatively speaking. There's a glass ceiling there because overall what their schedule is – it's not at a top level. So listen, let's just, you look above them. Yeah. There's some teams that could drop a game um, that they could move up a little bit, but nowhere really close to threatening in the top uh, six and eight, you know, they, they have no shot at the top four. 
but uh, they're in they're in a good position at least to hold on to the New Year six uh, games. And uh, I think the fact that they're playing in a in a game this week that's going to get some highlight look into you know the program and whatnot. I, I don't think that can hurt the cause. And I think a school like that has to be proud with another New Year's Six game in back-to-back years. This is an impressive run for a school in a non-Power 5 conference. And College Game Day is going to be there this weekend, Chris. And it's funny, I'm going to the game at Yankee Stadium between Notre Dame and Syracuse. And I've spoken to a lot of Syracuse alum who are confused as to why College Game Day did not choose New York for that location. And my response to them is, you care about this game, but no one else in New York does. So it's a big college football game, but who's going to college game day in front of Yankee Stadium in the Bronx for a Notre Dame-Syracuse game? I think they're better off going to Orlando where there's a rabid college football fan base. And maybe, I, you know, didn't they have uh, a game day one time in Times Square? Yes, they York? did it in did Times Square. Yes. Yeah, they did it. Um, you know, so they, they had that. And I think they did the whole, I think they did a feature on all the sports bars in the city and how there's a, you know, there's Ohio State bar and a uh-huh. Michigan bar. And I thought that was really interesting. But if you were picking the most meaningful game um, and that was it alone, it's Notre Dame Syracuse. But let's call it what it is. Um, it's a byproduct of the schedule this week, and I know you're going to get into it. We'll talk about it. It's mainly we can point the finger at the SEC. The schedule <laughs> stinks. The schedule stinks this week. So you're picking out the best games. There's just not much there. I mean, Iowa State, Texas. I mean, you know, Duke and the you know the the limited chance to to make it a game. Same with Kansas against Oklahoma. Um, you know, West Virginia, you know, and, and, and Stillwater, that's intriguing. But, I mean, you know, even USC, UCLA, and that that's a game that would be the center stage if those programs were what they have been at times. That's a great rivalry game that is, if you hear the air, just go out of it because they're just too, well, mm-hmm. not average team in USC and below average in UCLA. So there's just not much there this week. There's, there's the, the schedule – I got to admit, as is, is, is I watch games, there's not a lot that overly excites me. Uh, Notre Dame-Syracuse would be, you know, the most exciting of the bunch. Yeah, and that really is the only game that could affect the college football playoff standings this weekend because no one else is going to drop a game. So that's the one that everyone's going to be paying unless, attention to. Unless West Virginia loses to, in a row to Oklahoma State, that's always possible in the Big 12. And that could kind of mess up things in the Big 12 because West Virginia could still have an impact. And as you know, uh, you know they're still in the mix if they were to run the table and chaos were to fall their way. And then you're right, Kansas is not going to beat Oklahoma. So, no, there's not much there. Yeah, we'll get to the games uh, coming up in just a couple of minutes. But I want to talk about the real chaotic scenario that could face the committee, Chris. And in my opinion, it's the only chaotic scenario that actually could happen. You know, we want to talk about, well, what if Notre Dame loses to Syracuse and then Michigan loses to Ohio State and then Clemson loses? We can do do that all we want. But the one realistic, in my opinion, which maybe it's not even realistic because of how good Alabama's been, is Georgia beating Alabama in the SEC title game. Because then that gives the committee a real hard conversation to have. Mm-hmm. Does Alabama, who's been the best team all year long, 
who loses their last game in the SEC title game to Georgia, does Alabama deserve to get one of those top four spots? And in my mind, the answer is without a doubt, yes. And that's bad news for one of the other four teams that are deserving to get in. It would be the nightmare for the committee uh, to have to go through that process because it's pretty easy right now. So for our audience, make sure that everyone understands what Scott's saying. Clemson wins out. Notre Dame wins out. Michigan wins out. So you got a you know, unbeaten Clemson ACC champion, an unbeaten Notre Dame, and a 11 and one Michigan Big Ten champion. Uh, and then you've got Georgia, who runs the table, beats Alabama, finishes 11 and one as the SEC champion, and then you've got Alabama. So it really, Georgia's in, Clemson's in, Notre Dame's in, most likely. Then it's probably in your scenario comes down to Michigan. In Alabama. Now, if you look at it, I do think the eye test says Alabama's better than Notre Dame. Alabama's better than Michigan. You could make that case to put Alabama in and knock one of those teams out. The one difficulty that it will be is, and people tend to reference last year, right? Alabama didn't even make the conference championship game. Let's remind everybody, Scott, that. The Big Ten champion was a two-loss team in Ohio State. A one-loss Michigan, um, where their only loss would be to Notre Dame, an unbeaten team (laughs) that they're also in the mix with making the national playoffs, would be very difficult. And I don't know, again, there is no way for me to guess what other people are going to do my guess is that they would at Alabama would not make it and that they would put Michigan in. And you can everyone will come up with their theories, conspiracy theories, this or that. I just think it's going to be very difficult to, you know, in this year to leave out a one loss Big Ten champion Michigan that, again, lost a good team. It's, you know, again, last year, not only did Ohio State lose twice, but they got beat badly by Iowa. This would be a case where it's not an embarrassing loss that Michigan lost to Notre Dame. I know Brandon Wimbush and Addy Inbook was starting, but still a quote-unquote good loss. I think that would be, I don't know what they would do. I would Mm -hmm. just say if they put Alabama in over Michigan, that would be very controversial. If they put them in over Notre Dame, maybe that's where you're going. Maybe, Maybe you put Michigan in and Alabama in and kick Notre Dame out. An unbeaten Notre Dame... Well, that would be controversy as well. And then, you know, we know uh, you would put Georgia in ahead of them and you wouldn't take Clemson out in front of Alabama. I don't know. I think that's a case where you got five people walking and only four chairs. Somebody's getting left out. (laughs) I think it's probably Alabama in that scenario. Here's what I'm thinking about. Okay, if it's let's say Ohio State runs the table and beats Michigan and it's a one loss Ohio State Big Ten champion, I think they get left out. I think Alabama beats out a one-loss Big Ten champion, Ohio State. Alabama and Michigan are close. But here's where it gets even closer. Alabama's only loss would would be to a playoff contender in Georgia. Correct. Michigan's only loss would be to a playoff contender, Notre Dame. And so and, and you, let me jump in there real quick yeah. to, to make to, to make your point. Again, because you're playing what ifs. 
you're assuming that the Alabama Georgia games a close game that Correct. Georgia doesn't. Okay, just to yeah, make sure people blow understand. them out of the gotcha. water. I find that hard. Gotcha. To I think everyone would agree. They just want to make sure. Yeah. And so you can say, well, Notre Dame deserves to get in over Michigan because Notre Dame beat Michigan. And then you could say the same argument. Well, Georgia deserves to get in over Alabama because Georgia beat Alabama. So then the comparison comes down to Alabama and Michigan. And if you're just looking at the resumes and you're looking at who's the better team with the eye test, the better team in my mind and in my eye is Alabama. And that's how I would, I would agree cancel with, them out. <clears throat> I would agree with you, although you're talking about an eye test, and the one thing you can play the what if game with is if this team beats that team and whatever. Yeah. You're judging an eye test that hadn't happened yet. Exactly. So how do they win? Not how, does so Michigan, exactly. how does Michigan beat Ohio State? Does Michigan barely Correct. get by Ohio it, State, or do they blow out the Buckeyes in Columbus, which would then obviously weigh more? Yeah, and, you know, how does Alabama look in that loss? How do they get beat? What's yeah. their quarterback situation? Those things factor in. Now, your point that you said, what if Ohio State runs the table and they're a one-loss team? Now, the one argument that could be made in Alabama's favor, more so over Ohio State than Michigan would be, they got blown out by Purdue. And Alabama's only loss would have been to Georgia. And... um I think that that you know that that might be something that may make a difference. Don't know. I mean, it's it's all hypotheticals, but it, it would be real interesting. There's there's no question about it. And listen, for people that want chaos, uh, for people that want expansion, uh, trust me, <laughs> you leave out whoever you want to leave out. <laughs> the other's not going to be real happy. And the commissioners, <laughs> the, the conference commissioners, uh, Jim Delaney, <laughs> Craig Sankey. Um, I think that particularly if the Big Ten's left out, that'll be two years in a row. And again, last year's different. I think that's where you're going to start to get the 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 impetus for maybe it's not eight, maybe it's six, mm-hmm. and you get the conference. I mean, you know, what I mean, I I think that's where hey, we can't have this anymore. When you know we go and you've got a conference champion, it's got one loss, and it's not an it's a good loss, and we get left out. Then I think that's where people it, it, this year to me. And this is this is the, the fun part of it. This is the looks like the year where the old BCS system, where the two best teams look pretty clear, and exactly. only two. I but was just as, gonna, as we, I was just gonna bring that up. Like this is yeah. the year that the BCS would have worked because it's Clemson, Alabama, and we don't have to worry about anything else. And then yeah, you'd have undefeated Notre Dame being on the outside looking in, and it's like too bad. Okay, <laughs> I'm sorry. That's right. You got three, and then of course that would have been the argument. Well, we need to expand it to four. You know, so <laughs> we're already there. We're already there. So now I. I think what it is is, you know, we're going to have situations and, and there's going to eventually be an expansion. Maybe it again goes to six before eight. I don't know. But when that does happen, Scott, be aware that remember what I always say, there's a cutoff line that's different. It's not uh-huh. only different every year. It's different every week. Yep. And, and it's how you grade the teams. Well, you know, sometimes the cutoff line is going to be three. Well, you're not going to have a three-team playoffs, and it's going to be four, and or it's going to be six. And sometimes there's going to be the argument's going to be on that last or the last two or yeah, the course. last one in. It's just, you know, it's like, okay, well, these two teams definitely belong. And the other four are kind of like, well, we got six teams for four spots, and you can, you know, argue one way or the other. But, but I listen, I think that would be 
real interesting to see how it plays out. I don't, I would be surprised under your scenario if they took Alabama over Michigan. Mm-hmm. I would be. I, I, you know, okay. important. The, the little devil in me would like yeah. to see it happen to see what would happen and what decision they would make because I don't know that it's uh, it's going to be all that drama filled when it's all said and done. But, all right. but let, time let, will tell. Let's bring this up for the Big 12 fans here. Now, we know that they need help, okay? They need some teams above them to lose. But if you were to take Oklahoma based off your eye, based off what you've seen on film, based off their resume, and let's assume that they win out and they are a one-loss Big 12 champion, how does Oklahoma compare to the teams above them? So if you had to take out one team that's ranked above Oklahoma, which team would they be better than in your mind? And, or is the answer nobody? The answer is nobody in my okay. view. Um, <clears throat> I was in, a, on the, in Oklahoma radio today and talking about their defense and their problems. Their defense is, is not just off. They're, they're bad. And yeah, I agree. I don't, I, I just don't like them against Georgia. I don't like them against Michigan. I don't like them against Notre Dame. I don't like them against Clemson or Alabama. I think by the way, Clemson or Alabama, those, Clemson or Alabama would score 70 on that Oklahoma defense. Yeah. Score whatever they want. Or, you know, more likely the smart way to be would be to score 35 on them by just running the football and yeah, compressing exactly. the game yeah. and keeping uh-huh. their offense off the field. That's why I don't like them over anybody else. I like them. I've got them on my film grade. I've got them six where they're ranked. So mm-hmm. good job committee in my view. Now, I think they and West Virginia are very much alike, and that may come to pass in that the determination. But I have real concerns about their defense. Um in, in their ability to compete. And, you know, I, I just uh, – I'll say this. They could score points even against really good defenses. But as I mentioned, their defense is so bad, they tackle so poorly that people could not only score points but could run the football on them. So Michigan wouldn't get in a, a shootout with them. Georgia would run the football down on them. Notre Dame, with the way they're running it, would do it. Clemson could score a bunch of points, then run it. So could Alabama and then kind of bleed the clock. Um, All those teams are better, and they're better in a large, large way defensively. And the only reason why Oklahoma is there is because of their offense. They're offensively as good as anybody in the country. Defensively, have a hard time putting them in the top 20. We've talked about this before, but I want to bring it up again because we've had another game now to watch these teams. But Assuming every top four team wins out and the top four stays the same, it's Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Michigan. Would you have a problem putting Michigan at three and Notre Dame at four? Because we know two and three doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter who's two and three because they're both playing mm-hmm. in the Orange Bowl. So whether it's Clemson two or 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 Notre Dame two or Michigan two, it doesn't matter. Three and yeah, four, just a jersey color. Yes, three and four matters because that's the team that's going to have to play Alabama in, in the Cotton Bowl. Even though Notre Dame beat Michigan in the first game of the season, Michigan with a win over Ohio State at the end and a Big Ten championship win. I think would have a case to be put three ahead of Notre Dame at four. Would you have a problem with that? I I would not. No. Um, I say this, that if it's really close, I mean, if you look at everything and go through the eye tests and you look at all the metrics and it's close, 
then I would I would I would vote or I would I would cast my vote for Notre Dame ahead because if it's close and you got a head to head, to me, you know, even though it's early and teams are a little different. I think if if it's close by definition, well, what's a tiebreaker? Where if you played one another, that to me is pretty clear cut. Now, well, what would not make it close? I, like, let's say if Notre Dame okay. escapes <clears throat> against Syracuse this weekend and Michigan Correct. blows out Ohio State. Correct. Then that to me is more impressive. And the fact I know it's going to be against Northwestern. But it's still a game, and Northwestern's not a slouch, and they're tough to play, and they're not a great team. I'm not selling anybody on that. But they've got to play another game. You know, Northwestern is, you know, comparable to playing, certainly better than having to play a USC winner. I think you have to look at Notre Dame and respect what they've done. But you also have to know that, you know, they're really good. They look good on film. But they've also, through no fault of their own, the schedule's week weekend by the fact that a lot of teams are not as good. Now, in the case of Syracuse, Syracuse is a lot better than we thought they would be. And so I look at it and say down the stretch, Michigan has the better chance to impress because they would have to go on the road. And by the way, no cinch against Indiana this week, although they're going to win it. Um, It's not a cinch, not an easy one. If they go on the road and beat Ohio State and Columbus and then win the Big Ten championship game, they've got one more game and a conference championship. I think it's absolutely fair if they want to put Michigan 3 and Notre Dame 4. In fact, that's how I've got them, Michigan 3 and Notre Dame 4, on just film right now because I think Michigan is just a little bit better, um, but but it's close. And so I, I can go with it either way. So i got no problem with it if that's how it goes out. Well, let's talk about the games this weekend, Chris, and the SEC is playing the cupcake week, and a lot of people have a big problem with this, and and the argument is, hey, if you're going to try to compare this conference to everybody else, then how do you explain the opponents here in the middle of November, where you have Alabama against the Citadel, right? Uh, mm-hmm. you, Georgia plays UMass, Auburn against Liberty, Texas A&M against UAB, LSU plays Which is Rice. an underrated game, by the way. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah of course. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. UAB has put up. Sure. They've, I mean, look, you want to talk about a, a, a story that's worth a movie, you know, them yes. getting rid of a program and then bringing it back and seeing the success that they've had. You know, <laughs> there's something special going down in Birmingham. Um, but the schedule this week in the SEC, it, it's the cupcake week for them. Most teams around the country, this is my justification, most teams around the country do this the first week of the season. The SEC Mm -hmm. does it in the middle of November. Do you have a problem with the SEC scheduling, and what's the reasoning for it? Well, I don't like it um, because I like to see better games. Um, But it's a part of a bigger picture that maybe people don't stop and think about enough and they should. So I understand why they do it. Again, I don't have to like the games, but two things, and this is where we got to go with it it, 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 in understanding it, but, but what we can do to correct it, hopefully we can tackle both here. First of all, let's not kid ourselves. They're having it usually at the end of the year because it was a strategic move to say, Hey, Let's have a little bit of a mini open date, right? Get a little bit because healthier. Because their conference and get, schedule is so difficult. It's so difficult, and it gets you ready for the stretch run to play your rival game and play the conference championship game, whoever makes it. And, and you know, right now we know who it is, but on, on a given year, you don't always know at this point. That's the reason it's done. Now, why do we play these games anyway? Well, we all know 
there are two things that, that I think are underrated with this. One, and this is more so with the new redshirt rule. For the big schools, it is important that you get to play a lot of young guys. It's important to develop your roster and your team for next year, and this is a good way to do it. Two, it is really important for the UMasses, the Liberties, the UABs. They make their money. You know what they call games like this? Um, like the, the money that a – just to give you an idea, the money that a UMass or a Liberty or a UAB will get for playing a game like this, they'll build a whole new weight room. <laughs> on their facility. Think about that. They'll get 800000 a million dollars. Yep. You know what that means? To the, it means scholarships. It means funding for a whole athletic department that can survive. And so it's really important. Now, my thing is, if we weren't so darn selfish and we did things a little bit better, we'd find a way to funnel money to these programs so that kids can survive without having to play mercenary games. You know what I'm saying? I don't think it's necessary that we play these games so that they get their million dollars. I'm saying that we, we should be able to do that. But we've, you know, I, I kind of tell this story a long time ago. The NFL, when the NFL was starting out, and no one was really interested in pro football. I mean, it wasn't. It was way behind boxing and horse racing. and nobody, You know, they said, look, if we're going to be good, we're only going to be good as our weakest link. So you had like Mr. Mara in New York that understood that he could get more money for his TV rights and do his own thing than somebody else. But he knew that he was only going to be as good as Green Bay. And in a small market. So they had revenue sharings and they did things. College football is the opposite. It's the haves and the have nots. Each conference does their own thing to benefit themselves, not for the good of college football. I think personally what would be best and the only way you can ever get this done, Scott, is and <laughs> I'm laughing because about a much better chance of this of happening than you and I having dinner on Mars and coming back and doing this <laughs> podcast. It's, 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 it's get these five conference commissioners to agree that, that they need to have a college football commissioner that they have to answer to and oversee. So basically what I think in a perfect world would be that you could play one of these teams to start the season, kind of like the college version of the preseason, yep. maybe even play one of these schools in the spring as well. So that you can funnel money to them and there are other ways that they, they could benefit. And then once you get into the schedule, then, you know, you've got to I think you need to coordinate schedules a little bit better because I think if you don't, your record looks gaudy, but it's not rich. Part of the reason why Washington State doesn't measure up because the conference they're in is not that good and they played nobody. I mean, yep. nobody with a pulse in the out of conference. So. I think that if you created schedules that are a little bit more equitable, um, ideally, but it's tough because 
Not every school has the same uh, team uh, teams in the conference. Yep. Not every school plays the same amount. Nick Saban wants to play nine conference games. Nobody else in the conference does. And yada, yada, yada. And we got rivalry games we've got to play. That You know, in the NFL, the Cardinals and the Cowboys used to be a rivalry. When they said, hey, Cardinals are going to the West and the Cowboys stand in the East, Bill Bidwell was just fit to be tied. Mm. But he had to deal with it. There's no more, you know, at the time it was St. Louis Cardinals. So, you know, you're not going to break up Auburn, Alabama. You're not going to break up Tennessee, Alabama, or some of those rivals, although some conferences like the the Nebraska move stopped Oklahoma, Nebraska. But my point is, is now is you would have to create a little bit more symmetry with who you play conference wise. Obviously, how many games you play within each conference should be the same. And then I think you should rotate. I think one year, maybe the Pac-12 plays the SEC out of conference a couple of games. And, you know, and then you just kind of work... You know, the, and then you then you look at the end of the year, and you'd have a little bit more of a comparable schedule. But there's no doubt. Here's the people that should be most upset: the fans. And how about the TV networks? You got to tell me that the folks at ESPN and CBS, you, you know, they got to look at this saying, "Whoa, we got to figure this out. Why do we have to have all these <laughs> exactly. games on the same week? Because mm-hmm. they got to sell Missouri, Tennessee as the game of the week in the SEC, and then Arkansas, Mississippi State is the best ESPN's got to offer. That for the money that they're paying, they got. That's the one people that do have the power to say, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, hold on, cowboy. You know, we, but, but you we, hit it right. We're going to split." Chris. You hit it with the money. Like, this is college football's version of revenue sharing because these smaller conference schools get paid to play these games. That's right. So this That's is right. college football's version of, of revenue sharing because the Citadel is not getting $40 million a year from their conference. Alabama That's correct. is. So and they- let, let me remind you, too, Auburn, Alabama, LSU, on and on and on. Where are all these games being played at the home site's? It, why is that? Well, that's where they can generate the money to pay those schools. You yep. know why? That's part of the season ticket package. So mm-hmm. you got 100,000 people at Auburn and Alabama and LSU. So that is a huge gate. That's a $5 million gate, Scott. And not only does they get to pay that school, but that is extra money for the Alabamas, Auburns. And that, that extra date is a lot of money that goes to – pay the swimming and equestrian team and all uh-huh. that stuff. That's why, you know, that that is a big part of it. That is the untold story that, yeah, these football programs and basketball programs make money, but everybody else loses money in terms of sports. The third most, the third most gener- general re- uh, gen- uh, revenue generating sport in all of college football around the country is ice hockey. Yeah. And it, it doesn't generate a whole lot. And not, um, and not every and, school and has it. Not every school has it. Baseball, you know, in some markets or a lot of markets generate the third most. And again, not everybody makes that. If, if you can break even in baseball, you have done a phenomenal job. Nobody makes money. So there's like 18 sports that lose money hand over fist and two that make a lot of money. So there's a lot of things that people don't know and see now. There's still a way around it. There's still a way to make it competitively better, make it better for the fans, funnel money to, again, all the programs at the big schools that, that need to fund those minor sports and fund it, funnel money to the other, the, the other conferences, which I mean, the, the other um, you know, smaller schools that, that, that get to fund their programs. I think it's important. I'm big into that because 
years and years as a scout, I go, I've been around all these small schools as well as the big schools. And I realize there are a lot of good players that would never get the opportunity. And, and what about not only at a, at a UMass or a Liberty, it funds their other sports. So, you know, Somebody that's listening, maybe you got a daughter that can go get a tennis scholarship somewhere that wouldn't be a, available if you, you know, at Liberty, if if they didn't get a chance to play Auburn. But I think Scott, there's a way we need to do it where those kids don't necessarily have to play them. Now mm-hmm. they'll tell you. Now the coaches tell you, those kids love lining up and saying we're going to play a game in Jordan exactly, yeah, or Brian Denny and all. So because they don't get look, recruited a by lot those schools, go, this is their opportunity to go enjoy that atmosphere. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, do you know you come here, Scott? When in two years we're going to Alabama. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So all of a sudden you're you're you know looking at a Liberty or a Stony Brook or someplace, and you got a chance to go. Hey, I it's all I, I think I may go there. You know, so there are a lot of things that meets the eye. However, we're a smart football society. We don't always act like it at times, but I think that we can we could put together a system where all those things that are beneficial get taken care of, but we have matchups. I really think it's awful that all of them why couldn't half of these games be last week <laughs> and then said this week. that way it would not make it for out, such exactly. a weak schedule yeah. that is quite frankly, uh, you're talking. You're talking about somebody that just eats up college football left and right. Now I'm going to watch them all, but I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be watching some games that are that that are not real meaningful on a national level. But maybe we might have a couple of surprises. You can join all 32 NFL teams and 78 major college football programs and become members of LandryFootball.com. You get in on all the latest inside information from the guy that college and NFL programs turn to as a consultant on coaching and scouting matters. For less than a magazine subscription, you can get the film room breakdowns on recruiting, college football, draft, NFL, and coaching search matters. Check out LandryFootball.com today for our best membership package ever. Membership options include monthly, three, six, nine months, or yearly. You get access to insights of a veteran coach, scout, and administrator today. All you have to do is tell them where you heard about this deal, and you heard it right here on Rush the Field, college football podcast available each and every Wednesday, and also each Tuesday and Thursday, the Landry Football Podcast with Chris Landry on LandryFootball.com. So I go to LandryFootball.com, Chris, every single week, and like most days of the week, I should say. And I click on the film room previews because it's my favorite way to break down a game. And it's my favorite way to help me make my prognostication against the spread. So I look at Notre Dame Syracuse this week and I see that the Irish are 11 point favorites in, in Yankee stadium. It's the shamrock series, something that they've typically been successful at in previous years, but Syracuse is playing really well. Dino Babers has this team, in every single game. Just look at that game against Clemson, which to me might be the most impressive performance by any team that I've seen so far this season. How do you see Syracuse and Notre Dame playing out in your film room preview? Well, I, you know, I think this this Syracuse team has is, is really impressed me. Um, they have really done a good job offensively. They're very explosive. They've got good backs. They've got a big receiver. They've got a couple of receivers that are outstanding, but they've got some really good players on offense that that make some big time plays. Um, Aaron Eric Dungey's outstanding. Um, 
and they run a tempo offense that can get you out of sorts a little bit defensively. I think they'll be able to score some points. It's going to be a challenge for Clark Lee. Um, and, and, and I think that's going to be pivotal. Can they score enough points? I think on defense, what I see when Syracuse on film is they get good base pass rush with four and they like to play uh, a cover to a Tampa two defense really where they get the Mike backer deep and they, they play coverage. And so I think that they'll do a lot of that. And I think their success will depend upon their ability to defend the run against Notre Dame uh, with seven. If they can do that well and kind of get Notre Dame um, stopped on early downs, I think they can rush the passer fairly effectively. If they have to bring that extra guy in the box to defend the run, it makes them a little bit more vulnerable in coverage. And if they're able to run the football prettier, pretty successfully, they'll keep Syracuse's offense off the field as much as possible. Dino Babers, I, I, I was questioning him in his ability to maintain consistency. I think that we've known about his ability to pull upsets. You know, Virginia Tech, Clemson, you know, the big, you know, you know, oh, they didn't know, and all that, you know, locker room, all that stuff is great. But, boy, they play flat at times. His team's playing very consistent ball, and I'm very pleased with what I've seen. They're 12th in the national rankings. Uh, they got, they're got 8-2. and two. Uh, They've got a real shot to play well here, and this is the type of game that I think they'll play with a lot of emotion, a lot of fire. I think Notre Dame's better. I think they're just they're better defensively. This Notre Dame team is just a really good team. And I I think it's going to take some turnovers and some mistakes by Notre, by Notre Dame to help it out, but I do think this is the toughest roadblock for Notre Dame the rest of the year with the way USC's playing and the 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 way they are struggling on the lines of scrimmage. I think this is it. I think Notre Dame wins this week. Uh I think you can count them in as a team that's running the table, in my view. And I think they know that, Chris. Ian Book returns for them as the starting quarterback. There's going to be a ton of Syracuse alumni in that building on Saturday. Uh, I've, I've talked to a lot of people because, you know, a lot of media members are Syracuse alumni, and they're all going to the game. But it's also going to be a very pro-Notre Dame game because Notre Dame travels, and this is the opportunity for East Coast-based Notre Dame fans to go watch them in person in an atmosphere that's unlike any other in college football. It's a non-traditional football stadium, obviously, in Yankee Stadium. I think Notre Dame handles this game like a playoff game because they know what you just said. Going up against USC next week, is is basically their cakewalk before they play their semifinal game. This is the game that gets them into the college football playoff, and I think they come out of the gate with that type of fire, knowing that this is their quarterfinal game. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I have seen nothing in this Notre Dame team that would suggest a focus problem. I mean, you know, I know last week they played a team that was not good at all, and but, you know, there's just they've been really systematic and rhythmic with how they're playing. They're run. Here's the thing. Play good defense and run the football. I mean, that's that's a pretty good formula. I think they'll be able to do that. And I think that's that's why they'll have success in this game. Um, you know, if they struggle a little bit there and they turn the football over, then then I think that's the variable where it could maybe be a little intriguing. But, no, I like Notre Dame here. I think this is going to be uh this is going to be a, a real challenge for them, and I think they'll be up to it. And should West Virginia be on upset alert on the road against Oklahoma State? Absolutely. I mean, Oklahoma State on the road against Oklahoma 
played the Bedlam game. And I know Bedlam is normally Bedlam, but I didn't think it was going to be that in Norman. I thought that they had a shot if it was in Stillwater. It wasn't. They played very well. Maybe Oklahoma State comes down a little bit. because That's that what well, I was going to say. Don't, you think, to, that, don't yeah. you think this is like an emotional yeah. letdown week? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. There's no doubt about it. Uh, there's no way around that. That That's a big game for them. Now, it's in Stillwater. And, and, and you know, I think it is a game that, um, you know, it's probably not what the same emotional edge is, is playing the, the Sooners. But this is a dangerous team, not really good at quarterback. That's why the Oklahoma fans are struggling. That Oklahoma State with an average quarterback just throwing the football all over the yard against them. So I, I think that because it's in Stillwater, it's a shot. This West Virginia team's playing pretty well. I remember a few weeks ago we were talking about them, and I was worried about them and inconsistent. They've been pretty consistent. They've taken care of business. They took care of TCU last week, who doesn't have much of an offense. They'll get some offense that they've got to try to defend against Oklahoma State. And Big 12 games, it's got to have a ways to, has a way to get interesting when the offenses start going. You know, all of yeah. a sudden the defenses <laughs> is like, oh man, let's get out of the way. Let's let's get a good seat and watch watch the offenses go win it. That could happen here, but I do think that West Virginia is the better team and um, they they win uh, going forward. All right, 45-40 final. All right, well, good. We'll be here. We'll be sure to watch that. <laughs> you can always follow Chris on Twitter at LandryFootball. Be sure to check out LandryFootball.com. You can follow me on Twitter at ScottsOnAir, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Chris, it's a, it's a slow week. There are a couple of games that we're going to be paying attention to. I'll be sure to take some good photos from Yankee Stadium in that Notre Dame-Syracuse game. I'll talk to you next week. It should be a lot of fun. Take it. Uh, I hear you throwing out the first pitch. <laughs> <laughs> I wish there was. <laughs> Talk to you next week. You bet. Thanks a bunch. I'm Jerry Petock, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist. So thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out RadioInfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com. 